The nail in the coffin! episode number 60 of the nail tom and travis recording on monday night as the Cavs are in dallas they just went to halftime i believe down by five uh, last time we joined you Cavs uh we're in their bit of annual january turmoil uh, trav i i want to say that uh things for the most part seem like they've calmed down yeah um i don't know it was it was a it was a weird <laughs> a weird couple weeks which just with guys sniping at each other and then playing like shit and combination of bad things. Um, hopefully, I mean, I feel like that happens kind of every year, but hopefully they, they, they weathered through it and it's, it's onward and upward at this point. Looked real good on uh, Sunday afternoon against the thunder. I thought I, I watched that game from start to finish and I really liked a lot of what I saw, especially in the second half. I know Russell Westbrook got his, uh, usual triple double which is kind of an amazing thing to say in its own right but it was not um what you would consider necessarily like a, a game altering the uh triple double i mean he got his numbers but he didn't take the game over and uh, the Cavs got a lot of contributions and and it looked good i haven't watched him a ton this year um i've seen him here and there but does he like i feel like half his uh, rebounds are off of his own misses. <laughs> like he goes shot, to the man. basket, and, yeah, and he does. But a lot of them are right near the basket, and he just goes up and fights for them and gets them because he he's he seems to have a knack for timing them really well and knowing right away that he missed it, um, which isn't uncommon. But um, I've never seen a guy that just grabs his own like garbage as much as he does. Like he gets misses layups he should not miss, and. Um, somehow comes down with rebounds. So I'm not sure if I guess a rebound's a rebound. So far be it for me, he's done everything for them this year. So it's not a knock on him in any way, but um, I want, I wonder of those 10 or 11 rebounds, he's averaging a game, you know, how legit is that really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's legit. Cause you get it, you get it. I understand, but I'll, I'll say uh, this. I've gotten to the point now with when I'm picking out what Cavs games, I want to go to for the year. I'm specifically picking, um, opponents that that's one of the things that really kind of factors in for me and seeing some players that I've never seen before. Yeah. Um, like this year uh, before the season back in September, when the tickets first went on sale, I bought tickets for the game on Wednesday night coming up here against Minnesota. I thought with Tibbs coaching them and Carl Anthony towns and Wiggins, they were going to, you know, maybe be turning the corner finally this year and it hasn't really worked out for him, but I, I am still interested to see those guys play and um I, I'm going to make a real effort next year to see the Thunder when they come to town because Westbrook is one of those guys that I've never seen play in person before. He's a guy that's crazy fun to watch. Just, yeah, and, and you just, I feel like there's – I was just going to say, I feel like there's a handful of guys in the league that are just freakishly athletically talented. There's only a couple of guys that are like that. Obviously, LeBron's one of them. But the way that Russell Westbrook is – he just doesn't have – he doesn't have like – speed control he's always going 100 miles an hour all the time and and that's not just like some sort of like that's not just some sort of like marketing ploy or or just a generic um talking point that people throw out without really thinking i mean you watch it that's actually legit i mean 
he was pushing the ball up the floor constantly and, and attacking the rim and uh, just super aggressive. And I, I got to never passive. What's that? I was just saying he's never passive. He is always, no. always attacking at all times. That would have to be fun to watch in person. I got to tell you, the other team I really want to see in person next year is the Sixers with Embiid playing because the way that they've turned their season around this year, I think is super interesting. And I kind of would like to see them get into the playoffs uh, just because I, I you mean, for what that franchise has been through over the past few years, they, I was watching a little bit of one of their games the other night. Their fans are into it. It's, it's fun. They got a good vibe going. I know Embiid's out for a couple games now, but um, they've got some nice young guys and, and that's a fun team. And, and, it's it's good. I, I mean, that's a pretty uh, historic franchise for the league, and it, it would be nice to see them relevant again. Yeah, for sure. And Embiid's one of those guys. Like, he's fun to watch. He's got a great personality. He's really engaged with like, loves to engage with fans. He's maybe a little more active on social media than you'd want to see, but it's just sort of who he is. Ah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he's having fun. He's he's what twenty two, twenty three years old, and he's you know living the dream so far be it for me to tell him how to do it it's not really you know he's not out getting in trouble or anything so um but yeah he's one of those guys that you just got to hope his body holds up and he stays in shape because he's gonna be he's he's shown he's got the talent he shows he's shown he can play um so hopefully you know he can just create a good career for himself stay healthy and you know be a part of what that team's gonna do um that always seems to be sort of a uh that's always an issue or not an issue necessarily, but sort of a question mark or a concern with guys like that, that, you know, they're just going to continue to have recurring injuries. Um, so hopefully he's able to avoid that and that stuff's behind him. Well, speaking of recurring injuries, we've got uh, Kevin, Kevin Love on the shelf here. for the Yeah, next speaking of seven, seven footers with uh, back spasms, with nagging we, we, injuries. Yeah. The, the good news is back spasms again. Yeah, it sounds like there's nothing more that they found and they're going to keep them out for a few days here and. Hopefully that can kind of rectify itself a little bit, but um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm glad to see him make the All Star team this year. I, I don't think there was a whole lot of question going into the the announcement of the reserves last week that he was going to make it. But um, pretty cool to see the Cavs get three guys in. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's fun. I feel like he's sort of been you know he's been that third wheel, obviously. Um, and didn't have like an incredible finals last year, but he's been really consistent this year, putting up really good numbers. Yeah. Um, playing his part real well. And yeah, much deserved, I think. Yeah. Speaking of all stars, the big sports news in Cleveland last week, I believe the word got out on Thursday and uh, it was made official on Friday. The Indians are going to be getting the Major League Baseball all star game back at Progressive Field in 2019. And, you know, we posted something, uh, about that on our Facebook page, uh, when that news broke, um, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. If you didn't happen to see it, Hey, oh, yeah. yeah. plug time, but, uh, there it is. yeah, but, um, yo, Hey, that's, that's pretty sweet. Uh, how, uh, how, how, did you have any idea that was coming? Because I did not No, And I, I don't know that I, there was any, like in the, any, looking back, even, I don't know if there was anything that should have said that this is coming. Um, you know, no like indicators that we can look back and be like, Oh, that should have maybe been a sort of a hint, nothing like that. Um, it's cool. I personally, um, I think it's awesome. It, it was here last time in 97. Yeah. Baseball right? and basketball, 97? uh, both had their all-star games here in 97. 
So, yeah, so that's cool. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, um, I don't know. I, it, it actually got me thinking like of all the, if you could have all of the all-star games, which one would you want? Personally, I think baseball would probably be my choice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see. I think the immediate reaction was, um, the first, I guess I should say the first like talking point immediately turned into, um, well, what does this mean about chief Wahoo? Um, we're in agreement that this pretty much puts Wahoo on the clock, right? Like, yeah. And I think the, uh, the quote from Manfred about it sort of, it, it wasn't at all direct or, or, or definitive, but I think it was pretty clear that, um, I think the organization and the league are on the same page as well that, uh, it's time for Wahoo to go bye-bye. And I, I think, I think the, uh, I think the league's probably giving the Indians the latitude to do it in a way that the, in the way that they want to do it, I think. Yeah. Um, but in no uncertain terms, they've, they've, they've agreed. I think that, yeah, that's not going to be around much longer. No, I, I mean, if you read anything during the world series, I, I think it's an open secret how much the major league baseball offices dislike the Wahoo logo and have kind of wanted it to go away. And while they would never come out and actually say this, I would be shocked if they would give Cleveland an all-star game, if there was not a plan in place, or at least an agreement to put a plan in place to make that happen. Um, yeah, it's an in- that's an interesting point. I mean, I, I don't know for sure if that's the case. Uh, obviously, we don't have any sort of inside info, but... Um, it would kind of be interesting if the league went to him and said, um, here's this thing that we're thinking of giving you. We have all these reasons that we're willing to give it to you, but there's this one thing we want you to do that, uh, you know, without it, we can't, <laughs> we, we can't do that. So it, I, I think it's sort of an interesting, um, angle to take if that is indeed what the league did. Um, it, it, it sort of raises the question of, were they going to give it to Cleveland either way um, or did they give it to them as, you know, a way to force their hand sort of on this? That I don't think. Um, I don't think so. Either. I, I, I think, think I think it, truthfully, I think the Indians have a good plan in place and I think they've been implementing it. Um, it may be a little slower than some of us think, but I think the league probably just wanted to, you know, make sure that, that that was sort of the way that they were moving. No, I think if you're looking to reward the Indians for anything, I think it's rewarding them for the work they've done on their stadium and the money that they've invested in renovating progressive field. Um, I, I think that is something that would be far more germane to the discussion in terms of uh, rewarding them with the all-star game and, and the logo stuff is just kind of secondary. And I think it's probably something that factored in, but um, you know, for me, I, I, I'm surprised at just how quickly that discussion turned on Friday or it really Thursday. It went immediately from, Hey, this is really cool. we got the all-star game coming back. I remember 97 and, this, that, and the other. And within a few hours that day, it felt like there was a lot of talk about Wahoo. And I did not expect that to carry that much of the conversation. Did you? No, no, not at all. And honestly, when it came down, I didn't think about it. You like mentioned it to me. And 
it, it dawned on me like, yeah, I, that that wouldn't make a lot of sense because, like you said, the league kind of came out and said that they're. You know, I mean, they didn't come out and blast the Indians, but you could tell that the league's not keen on Wahoo. Um, so yeah, I could. I, when you mentioned it, it made a whole lot of sense to me at that point, but I didn't think of it. And then you're right; it just blew up as a topic of conversation. Here's a topic about this though that did not really blow up at all, and frankly, I'm really surprised given what's going on around Cleveland in terms of financing and and the city budget and whatnot. And that is something that you and I talked about off uh, offline, I guess you could say here before we started recording. But, you know, I think it's really interesting that the Indians are, are getting this all-star game coming in 2019 after they made all their renovations over the last couple of years to progressive field. And I think they're actually, um, there's more stuff going on now. They just announced that they're putting in new led lights this year. And I know that the, one of the like mid levels of like the suites, I can see sort of like peeking in the ballpark from my office. It looks like they're all tarped over and they're doing some remodeling in there. I can't quite tell exactly what's going on, but like the point is, I mean, they've, they've put in a lot of work on that stadium and, the thing that's really notable about that was that that construction, I mean, there was the, the syntax money that went into like the general stadium upkeep, but in terms of like upgrades and renovations and whatnot, that was all financed. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was all covered by the Indians and their concessions partner. And there was no extra public funding that went into it. Contrast that. I believe, I believe you're right. I, I can't, I'm not a hundred percent positive, but that's what I was under the impression as well. Okay. Contrast that with the presentation that we saw from the Cavs a few months ago about their proposal to renovate the queue and they are seeking $140 million plus in public funding to help cover the costs of their renovations and what they want to do to their building. And the big selling point of their presentation was that we need these things. We, we need these upgrades and we need these improvements in order to draw big time events like the all-star game and the all-star game for the NBA was the one thing that came up like multiple times in that presentation. And basically if you really simplify the whole deal, it's, Hey, you pay for these upgrades. We're getting the NBA all-star game. And that issue has not been resolved yet. And if we're being really honest with each other, they're probably going to get the money. I mean, it's just the way these things work, but it's just a really amazing timing situation when you've got the Cavs asking for public funds with their main selling point being, we'll get you an all-star game here if you if you pay for this, whereas the Indians right next door went and did a whole bunch of renovations on their own time and got an all-star game anyway. Uh, you know what's ironic, though, the most to me is what we hear about the two teams, particularly the ownership, the Dolans are allegedly the cheap ones, and Gilbert is doesn't have a problem spending money. Um, and when it comes to these arenas, it's completely flipped. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm not sure the Dolans would get a whole lot of credit for that now because it's our the time's already come and passed since they paid for it. But um, I think they deserve a lot of credit for sort of you know saying, hey, this is our team. We understand we're the owners of this team. We'll take care of this. Um, it's it's one of our business expenses as opposed to Dan Gilbert sort of holding the city hostage almost to an extent. I, I don't go quite. Wanna, that I don't want to put. I don't want to put. Yeah, I don't want to put. That's maybe a little harsh, but um, 
you know, take, taking the money and expecting the city to pay for these things. Oh, I mean, I was going to say, I'm not going to totally agree with that because, I mean, this is by far the most ambitious renovation that they've wanted to do. But don't forget, when Gilbert bought the team, they still had the electric blue seats in the arena. He's upgraded the scoreboard in there twice. And um, he's I, I'm pretty sure he's made several other improvements to that arena since he's been there. This is, again, the most... Uh, ambitious and, and biggest overhaul, the biggest cosmetic change for sure that they're looking to do with that building since they've been there. But I mean, he's owned the team now for what about 12 or 13 years. And he has definitely sunk some money into that building and correct me if I'm wrong. Did, did he not build the, the, uh, the facility out in independence? Uh, I assume so. Yeah. I can't say for sure, but I believe he did. did you I see- have to guess. I don't think it's that old. And while we're talking about this, did you see the story that uh, Cranes had today that the Cavs actually lost at least $40 million last season? Yeah, and that (laughs) – it's one of those things like it's hard to wrap your head around how that's possible. But, yeah, I mean we knew their payroll was high, but you kind of assumed, you know, they're selling out every game. Uh, They're a huge draw, and they won a championship. But – I, I I don't know how accurate those numbers are, but it seems like they're pretty valid. I'm uh, I'm guessing maybe they need to uh, throw a couple playoff games to have a couple of those early round series this year go to five games yeah. so they get that yeah extra, that's true that free that's extra home true. game. They lost. Well, yeah. I mean I think they make like a million dollars a home game in the playoffs was the number I think I heard. So, um, you know, if uh, <laughs> something seems uh, dubious in a game four in the first or second round this year. Why did LeBron sit for three games this series? <laughs> <laughs> There's no injuries. Yeah, I don't know. That's the damnedest thing. But um, Yeah, he did it three series in a row. He just decided to sit the bench. I don't know what happened there. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I think, I mean, we know the Indians are getting their all-star game for Major League Baseball. It seems like a pretty safe bet that the Cavs are going to get their funding squared away and they're going to get their renovations done and probably around 2019 or 2020 and we're going to get an NBA all-star game as well. The, the NBA hasn't booked theirs out quite that far. Um, did you go to any of the stuff uh, in the either one in 97 when they were both here? No, I didn't. None I did of, not. Okay. None of like, nope. the fan fest or anything. Uh, no, I wish. No, nope, okay. didn't get, didn't make it to anything. I mean, it was, I was 12 at the time, but all right. Yeah. I didn't go down for any of that. I, uh, I did go to the home run derby and, um, it was uh, it was really awesome, and I'm not gonna. It, it, I, I had really great seats. I got I got lucky. Uh, friend of my dad, season ticket holder, and and this was back when they still did it on tape delay. So they actually did the derby in the afternoon and then aired it in prime time. So I think with it being like a Monday afternoon, a lot of people were at work, and it made getting in there a lot easier. So uh, being a kid on summer vacation from school certainly worked. No kidding. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And the fan fests for both of them were awesome. And um, I know they're bringing that back. They already said for the baseball one, they're going to have it. It sounds like over at the new convention center, which is a great place to have that. I've I've been in that building a bunch of times already for like the Comic Cons and uh, a few other events. And and that's a a tremendous facility. So uh, that should be a really good time. And um, if you have not been to one of these things in the past, I would definitely recommend uh, checking those out when uh, when they come to town. It's kind of funny you mentioned like 
personally, I think like the all-star weekends and everything that all these different sports have, I feel like they're all, all very different from each other. Like things that interest me in one don't interest me in another. And like, uh, the Pro Bowl was this past weekend. I have zero interest in the Pro Bowl. If the Pro Bowl was happening, even if it was indoors, if we had a dome here and it was indoors, I don't think I would go watch it if I had free tickets. <laughs> um, for baseball, I'd probably be more interested in like watching the Home Run Derby than I would be in actually going to the game. Um, I think both would be cool, obviously, um, because going to baseball games is just tons of fun. Um, but I'd be more interested in watching the home run derby um, live. Basketball, I'm the exact opposite. I think the three point contest and to an extent the slam dunk contest, although the format hasn't been as good since they've changed it over the last few years. But um, I think for the NBA, I'd rather go watch the game than any of the other sort of gimmicky contests that they have. Um, so but both, I think, have you know have cool things that are going on, and it, it brings a lot of a lot of fun attention to the city. Obviously, yeah. In the NBA, I'll be honest, I love everything about NBA All Star Weekend. I will watch the celebrity game where they play that on Friday night. I will watch the future All Stars, whatever they call the rookie sophomore game now, um, and all the different configurations they've had with that. Um, I, I love watching everything on All Star Saturday night. I think the dunk contest definitely is not what it was back in like the Jordan and Dominique Wilkins days, but with Zach Levine and a couple of these other guys in recent years, it's gotten better. And the three point contest is a lot of fun too. And you know, the Cavs have had quite a few guys that have done pretty well in the three point contest through the years. So that's been fun. And I know like the all-star game itself, always on that Sunday night, um, a lot of the more casual fans of the NBA tend to rag on that a little bit because there's no defense and, I, that's always been kind of one of those things that's been like a, a bum criticism to me a little bit, just because like, yeah, I, I know that like through the first two and a half quarters or the first three quarters or so that that's, it's really played like an exhibition and guys are looking to do fun stuff. And I mean, to me, a little bit of that is it, it's fun to watch and I like seeing them um, pull off the crazy dunks and the alley-oops and things like that. Uh, but you know, if that game is any, anywhere close, I mean, they will, actually strap in and play some defense in the fourth quarter. And there have been some all-star games, maybe not so much in recent years, but um, there have definitely been some games that have gotten competitive down the stretch. And, and that's really fun. And I like seeing all those guys get together and, uh, and playing. And um, yeah, the pride, the pride kicks in. If it's a cl- if it's a tight game, you know, those guys, the, the game doesn't matter and they realize that, but they still want to win it. Right. Um, and yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't go to watch it for the competition level necessarily. Um, I go to watch it because it's, you know, the 25 to 30 best athletes on the planet um, going up against each other. Um, Cause I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm, if you're in agreement on this, but I just think basketball players are, are far and away the best athletes we have um, as opposed to baseball and football where yes, you have to be very athletic, but I just think it's, it's a different breed in the NBA. Um, so yeah, I, that would be why I'd want to go to a game is just because it's the best players in the world and they're playing a game that allows them to completely, you know, showcase their athleticism, um, the entire time. So I think, the, yeah, I'm with you. I think the NBA the all-star game gets a bad rap because there is a lot of just like showboating and it, and it can be sloppy at times, but it's still pretty damn entertaining if you like basketball. 
And the other thing, the, the, the last thing I will say about the NBA All-Star Weekend is, um, you know, that week after, <clears throat> that's when the trade deadline comes up. So you get, it's basically like the, the winter meetings of baseball, only it takes place in the middle of the season where you get like all the GMs and front office people from all the different teams coming into the all-star city and they're meeting up. And that is really when the trade deadline talks start to heat up. And a lot of deals, I think come out of the discussions that happen in that week. And, you know, you get the, the deck shuffled a little bit with the rosters around the league. And I think that's kind of the kickoff point where teams start really getting serious. And a lot of the nonsense that we've seen going on with the Cavs over the last few weeks starts to subside and, and teams start getting serious about things. And um, it, it's kind of a good point to put the season really, uh, you know, get it kicked into, into high gear. Yeah. Um, really quick though, what you mentioned about the all-star game. Um, don't get excited about Zach Levine this year because he won't be in it. Right. He is, uh, He's yeah. already said he will be, uh, he will be taking this year off. No, no dunk contest for Zach Levine. So no three beat, but somebody's still fun up. to watch. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Someone's got to steal that crown. Who was it? Aaron Gordon? I think it was pretty impressive last year, right? Right. Yeah. He's uh, he's the other one that's uh, had a very good showing in that. So, hey, speaking of people uh, stepping aside and and leaving the crown, um, Brent Musburger going to call his last basketball game for ESPN on Tuesday night this week, and then he is moving out to the desert and starting a whole. Uh, um, gambling focused uh, media <laughs> venture here I, I don't even know what all this is but uh hysterical uh, that, it's, it's, when you when you told me that i honestly like so someone tweeted like musburger's retiring he's gonna go to vegas and do this i thought it was a joke i thought like yeah he's retiring but he's not really gonna go start handicapping out in vegas no he's really doing that <laughs> in pure musburger fashion um if, for those that maybe aren't aware or haven't noticed, um, Brent Musburger has made a name for himself, not just being a great uh, great play-by-play guy, but he, he seamlessly always happens to know um, what those what those plays at the end of every game uh, really mean to, to the degenerates at home. <laughs> so, his good friends he, in Vegas, is, uh, I believe he will refer to them. He, he is good at slipping, slipping those little references in at the end of any game. You know, someone's it's funny because I saw there was a play against Northwestern um, Ohio State Northwestern football from a few years ago that, of course, Musburger was playing and um, Ohio State, I think, was up four or five um, on the last play of the game. And the spread was seven and Northwestern fumbled and Ohio State recovered for for a touchdown so it went from the people that took ohio state losing to winning and vice versa if you took northwestern and, and musburger's like well there's part of our audience that's real happy about that last play and then another part that's really not <laughs> it's just like, it's like he always happens to work that in and if you're not really paying attention to it you may not have any idea what he's talking about but he always knows the points he always knows them and he always works them in there so somehow and it's it's just sort of almost funny quirks of his um i don't think it's a coincidence that espn somehow managed to always assign him to the whatever college bowl game was taking place in las vegas on like the opening weekend of bowl season every single year either it's funny i wonder if he already lived there um i don't know like where he lives like 
off season or or even during the season. I think he's got um, a property out in Montana. I, I think he okay. might have uh, a, a place in in Vegas as well. But um, man, oh man, um, I I want to I do want to say one thing. Um, if you heard his comments about uh, Joe Mixon, the Oklahoma running back, during the Sugar Bowl. Um, less than eloquent no and 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 joe mixon had a a, some very um sordid uh issues um in regards to domestic violence on on campus there at oklahoma does it count as domestic violence if it's just out in public yeah that's uh whatever it was i mean however you want to qualify i know what you're saying saying. i'm just some very awful things and uh assaulted a, a female and um you know I, I think the way that, that Musburger talked about that on the Sugar Bowl broadcast was wrong. It made me uncomfortable, and, and the way he, like, doubled down on it. Um, yeah. It was yeah. not a good look. Um, that said— I think he had the best of intentions when he said it, and it came off terribly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was not— Like, good. essentially, essentially he said, you know, I hope this kid can learn from it. And didn't seem to say anything about the girl that got knocked out. Um, And then people said, yeah, that's who we should be rooting for, Brent, not anyone else. And people went at him. And clearly, I'm not sure if he was following Twitter or people told him what people were saying on Twitter. But he came back and and what you thought was going to be like an apology. No, he basically, like you said, just doubled down and repeated what he said and like, you know, told Twitter to suck it. But yeah. it's, uh, it's unfortunate because he's had a good career and yeah, there have been a lot of great moments with Brett Musburger calling it. I mean, I think everybody remembers the O2 Buckeyes, um, the, the game at Purdue. Purdue. Holy yeah. Buckeye. I mean, that's one of the great calls of all time. And um, he's so got many, a lot of he's got a lot of them. So many others. And it, it sucks that that's like the the last like really notable broadcasting moment that he'll probably have. But um, yeah just got me to thinking that like with, with him stepping aside and it's been kind of abrupt because he just announced this last week and now he's, it was basically with like two games left and Tuesday's going to eat did one over the weekend and now he's going to do this one on Tuesday here. And then he's heading out to the desert and that's that. But um, yeah, it just kind of got me to thinking. I mean, like Vern Lundquist stepped away from uh, CBS doing the SEC game every week and, you know, he's still going to be around for March Madness and, and the Masters, thankfully, but um, you know, Chris Berman, I mean, this is basically it for him doing the NFL on ESPN. And um, and Tom Jackson, right? And Tom Jackson's already gone. He left before the season. Okay. So uh, Craig Sager passed away, obviously. Craig that one's Sager a little passed more, away. You know, the, the, the thing sad, with, with, with Bourbon, um, at least for me, like when I was growing up, NFL primetime on Sunday nights was – you know, appointment television. I mean, his, his nicknames and the rumbling, bumbling, stumbling and, and the music and the highlights and everything else, that show was great. And, and say whatever you want about what Chris Berman's become in recent years. And, um, I, yeah, I think he started to rely on that a little too much. Yeah. He did not more just like, that's all he really did when he's still calling Levi stadium out in San Francisco or Santa Clara, the, the big bell bottom. That's probably not, uh, it might have been a, a sign that uh, the, the you know the the games have passed him by Especially a little bit. When but. there's a much better joke there, the field of jeans, Berman. <laughs> Come on, it's so perfect, and you went with the bell bottom. Come on, the big bell bottom. So, Unbelievable. 
Yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's probably time, but um, he did have a good run. And it just, you know, and like you mentioned, Craig Sager passed away. I mean, he had been um, battling illness there for several years. And it just, it, we're in a really weird time, I think, for sports broadcasting. And, and there's just a real, there's a lot of, a lot of chair shuffling around and, and, you know, I mean, those are just the guys that are stepping away or, or are gone from the picture. I mean, on top of that, you've got like Brad Nessler, who's called games on ESPN forever. I mean, he moved over to CBS and he's going to be doing the SEC game from now on. Mike Tirico was like the guy that did Monday night football for 10 years and has called basically everything for ESPN. Richard Deitch just did an awesome podcast with him. Richard Deitch of uh, sports illustrated had an awesome podcast with Mike Tirico talking about all this stuff last week. And uh, if you've never checked Deitch's podcast out, you should really go listen to that. Cause I thought it was really cool. Um, but Tirico, he's over at NBC now and he's doing um, some studio stuff for the Olympics and uh, filling in on, on football. And I think it's pretty obvious. He's going to be the guy that takes over Sunday night football when Al Michaels goes and follows Musburger into the desert to go make veiled va- uh, gambling references uh, <laughs> for the rest of their days. Not, not, so not so veiled. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's just the question I I have for you is: Do you care who calls big games? Like we got the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, and Fox has got the game, so it's going to be Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Do you um, do, do you care about that, or is there are there any other sports that you care about who's calling the game? It really depends. If it's my team involved that changes how i look at it um but overall there's certainly guys i'd prefer like there's guys that i really like um and and you know there's a handful of guys out there that they were put on this earth to do this like gus johnson was put on this earth to call march madness that's what that's like he is built to do that there's certain and, guys that are like that and it's criminal that that he's on fox now that he doesn't, doesn't. Get to do those games anymore it, it's inexcusable like the fact that he couldn't work something out into his contract where he can do march madness and I, i'm not blaming him obviously i i it's just that guy could make every game every game in the college basketball tournament exciting from beginning to end I will never um, forget. Unlike I, anyone else really could. I was going to say, I will never forget. I went to the NCAA first round games that were at the queue. I want to say in like 2010, maybe 2011, right around there. And it was an afternoon session and Ohio state was a one seed that year. And there was a the Xavier game. No, it was, um, it was Ohio state playing uh, Texas San Antonio and, and, they blew their doors off. I mean, San Antonio was a 16 seed, just happy to be there. Right. But the other game in that session that we got to watch was an eight, nine matchup between George Mason and Villanova. And as soon as I found out that Gus Johnson was in town calling the games, I was like, I told my, my friend that I went there with, I'm like, we got a chance to see something awesome. Gus Johnson calling a March Madness game. It's the law of Gus. I mean, this is the way these things work. And sure. Yeah. It was a relatively competitive game. And then all of a sudden, um, one, I can't remember. I think it was, um, Villanova that was leading by like five or six points, six to eight points, whatever, most of the game. And then all of a sudden the last couple minutes, George Mason, like pulled out a miracle and the finish was absolutely wild. 
and it was I, the whole time I'm just laughing. I'm like, this is the law of Gus. It's, it's happening. And to like be there in person when you're seeing it, it it's, it's classic. So yeah, that's my uh, Johnson story. No, my favorite, my favorite, um, college basketball memory, um, personally is, uh, the Ohio state Xavier game from 2007. Yes. Um, that they were trailing the whole time and they clawed back into it. It was on St. Patrick's day and Ron Lewis just hit this incredible three. And it's like anybody else calling that game and it would have been still great, but it wouldn't be what it was. Gus Johnson, like is a huge part of that, that memory to me. Um, and that game was just incredible. And he, he, always rose to the occasion when there was a big game and when games weren't really that great, he was still excited. You might not have been at home watching it, but he made you feel a little more excited about it. So if there was anything I could do currently to change, you know, the sports landscape, it would probably be to put Gus Johnson back on March Madness games. Let me ask you this. How would you feel about him calling an Ohio state Michigan football game? Um, I haven't loved him calling football. Um, he's called a couple, like he called the big 10 championship game when they blew the doors off of Wisconsin. And I thought he he does a really good job of making, you know, even as that game was a blowout, um, he still made it exciting. So I, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it. I honestly, um, Fowler didn't really do it for me. Um, now admittedly, he's still fairly new to that. It's a new role for him. Um, I think he's pretty good, but he didn't. He he, he just it didn't didn't seem like a natural fit. It didn't really seem like he found his rhythm. So I wouldn't I wouldn't mind Gus Collin. I have a feeling it'd be pretty damn exciting if he did. Well, that's good because I think that's what you're getting in the fall of 2017 because the Big Ten is moving. I think the primary package of games over to Fox, and I'm fairly certain that means that Fox is going to have the Ohio State Michigan game this coming fall. So yeah, it, I mean, it, you it can probably pencil really in do. Gus for uh, a, a visit. Uh, I guess it'd be what up to uh, Ann Arbor. So there yep. you go. Yeah, that'd be fun. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Who? All right. So you said that Gus is one guy. Um, who are some other guys that uh, you, you care about having call your games? Well, he's kind of, he's kind of lost his fastball, obviously, but Keith Jackson in the Rose bowl. Um, is about as good as it gets. Yeah, all right. Um, He's been gone though for a while. He, I mean, I think yeah, ten years now, right? Is it that long? Yeah, I, I think a while. More than, because it was the oh uh, six oh uh, five season, oh six uh, January BCS championship U- game, Texas USC. And USC. Texas? That was his last Postal? game. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long. Whoa, uh, Billy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, beyond that. I like um, I like Jim Nance calling the Masters. That's cool. I don't know that I, I care that much about it. I think I just kind of associate the two so closely that it, it's it's cool to me because I, I really enjoy watching the Masters. I know golf is kind of boring to a lot of people, but um, I don't know. I really enjoy watching it. Um, beyond that, not really. No one really does it that much for me, um, especially the national guys like – I enjoy the local guys, even though, to be honest, Austin Carr is kind of annoying at this point. <laughs> like he's he's wearing at me. I feel bad saying it, but um, I, I I could do without him at this point. 
Um, but as far as national guys go, um, it, it matters. If you're really bad, it's noticeable. Um, but beyond that, I don't think I care a whole lot. All right. Um, we, I know you got one. You got one loaded. Who is it? We need to keep Al Michaels alive forever because he's in his early 70s right now. And he is still as sharp as he has ever been. And um, he is fantastic. I wish NBC had the Super Bowl every year because they their their Sunday night football broadcast is so much better than anything you get on any other network. And Al Michaels calling anything. And just, I mean, his autobiography is, is fascinating just because it, like, takes you through so many huge moments in sports history. And, like, the knack he's had for being around so many ridiculous moments um, like the, uh, the miracle on ice and, um, I'm trying to think some of the other ones he's, he's had a few super bowls that were unbelievable. Fair, yeah. Um, but, uh, baseball, he's done the world series. He did Monday night football forever. Um, NBA finals. He, or, he had the, uh, he, he had a cup of coffee with the NBA on ABC when do you remember it was, I think Oh four when Derek Fisher, like first Tim Duncan had like a outrageous shot from like the top of the key. And then Derek Fisher, had one coming out of a timeout with like point three left. Point four seconds. Yeah, yeah the Lakers. Yeah, Lakers. Yeah, and, and that yeah. was that was Al Michaels, and uh, he is just phenomenal. So yeah, I'll agree with that. He's he's. I mean, he's he's a pro's pro. He's as good as it gets. Obviously. Yeah. Um, so here's my if, if if things went my way, we would have Jim Nance and CBS calling every single golf major. Um, we would have Al Michaels calling every single Super Bowl, and every single big uh, NFL game. I think I would I would go for that. Um, the NBA is is kind of in an interesting spot. I I I've come around on Mike Breen. Um, I loved Marv Albert for years, but it's kind of unfortunate he is about the same age I think as Al Michaels, and uh, I think basketball hasn't hasn't held it up quite as well. No, he hasn't, and it's kind of like the elephant in the room when you're listening to a TNT broadcast. But um, he. I think basketball in general, because of how fast moving it is, is kind of a harder sport to keep up with. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's a little rough. Not to, not up to uh, marvelous uh, Marv's standards in the past. Here's but. one that we didn't mention, and I don't know if it really counts because they're never calling games. But the TNT Studio Show. Yeah, I mean they they are they're the gold standard for studio shows, and I think ESPN's tried about seventeen different combinations and now they're recycling combinations um, with their, their studio that they've had now since going back uh, to like Oh two Oh three, I think. And um, they've never been able to, to capture what those guys have. And it was interesting. I was watching them last week and they were kind of having a debate in their pregame talking about the whole thing with LeBron and his spat with the Cavs front office and, they let Shaq and, and Charles Barkley like really go at each other. And Barkley basically was saying LeBron needs to suck it up and, and he needs to go out and compete and stop trying to get every single player. And Shaq told him, you don't know anything about going back to back. And uh, it got <laughs> Me and like, Kenny know about that. You don't know anything about it. Yeah. It was like, literally that was what he said. It, it got like really heated and, and that was, uh, that was interesting. So, um, yeah, that the TNT studio show, it's uh good shit. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I know that there's other ones out there. Um, that that's really it. I mean, I feel like a lot of the guys that I grew up with, um, the guys 
that, you know, we always think about and the guys that sort of, when we hear their voice, we know it. There's only a couple of them left anymore, really. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder like who's going to step in and become that, that voice for this generation. And, um, I think Herb Street's probably there and he's still got a lot of time. Obviously he's not a play by play guy, a color guy, but, um, I mean, he's Joe Buck's probably the other one. Yeah. I mean, like it or not, he's been Um, doing it for 20 years now and, and he's good. I mean, say what you want about how he was during the World Series, and yeah, he was a little annoying. But um, and overall, his entire body of every interview he's done since. But that's a story for another day. Yeah, brought that on yourself, Joe. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think he, his whole body of work is is still pretty strong. So yeah. I'm not gonna crush him for that one. But beyond that, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are trying to honestly the fact that there's so many so many games on tv now every game's on tv it didn't used to be that way growing up um there's so many guys doing it now that it's i think it's sort of hard for one to stick out that's a great point there there, the the volume of of events that are covered now it's it's a way more crowded marketplace so and the likelihood that a guy is going to get the big game on any given week or whatever it is is just not what it used to be, you know? Yeah, and it's not like there's one guy that, for the most part, um, I mean, I guess you could kind of point to Jim Nance and Joe Buck a little bit, but for the most part, you know, the networks that do have multiple big events, they they tend to have a guy designated to each sport. I mean, you think about, like, ESPN, it's Mike Breen doing the NBA, and it's Chris Fowler doing college football, and... um, you know, I, I think they've got a, a different, I can't even think of who it is off the top of my head. That's um, their lead baseball voice now. And, um, you know, a lot of the other networks, it's it's the same way. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. All right, man. Any, uh, any other thoughts before we uh, close up shop? Yeah, that's about it for me. Um, just watching the Cavs put the uh, finishing touches here on a uh, sort of lackluster game. Did you just see this? hideous travel by by uh wesley matthews i did not uh took about three steps stopped three steps i'll let you get away with stopped shuffled around and like jumped to the side uh and ended up getting a foul call uh, it was it's was like watching it you're sort of like all right at some point you got to call a travel um yeah that's generally frowned upon but i i don't I know you get you get your extra step when you're going to the basket or whatever, but this one was just r- really weird looking, like not a basketball play at all. Even it's just just odd. But anyways, um, they're looking sort of like guys coming off a of back to back where they had to travel overnight. Well, by the time everybody's listening to this, we'll know how this one pans out. But considering the fact that I'm looking at uh, a diff of minus ten with about eight minutes to go in the game. And I'm seeing a lineup that has both Deandre Liggins and Jordan McRae on the floor. My hopes are not particularly high. Yeah. Not, not, not terribly optimistic about this one. No, but, uh, Hey, you know, with any luck, people will have a good laugh. Uh, at how wrong I was. <laughs> but, uh, Hopefully in the meantime, um, if there is a, uh, a favorite broadcaster that you have that, uh, you did not hear us discuss tonight, go like, uh, our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash the nail podcast. And when you see this post for this episode pop up, go comment on it and 
tell us who we obviously missed because uh, I'm kind of curious to hear who else everybody likes listening to. I'm sure we missed some, and I have a feeling if people comment on it, it's going to be ones where like, yeah, you know what, I like that one too. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Told, there's yeah, a there's lot of guys lot that of... are good at this, and and I yeah. want to hear more of them, and I and I'm, I'm curious to know who other people like listening to. So go uh, go comment and uh, go subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever uh, your preferred podcast listening app is, because uh, we're on just about all of them. And uh, if you want to go listen to any of our old app, uh, any of our old uh, episodes. Go check out our website, uh, thenailpodcast.com. So I think that will do it for us for this week. Um, for Travis Yuli, Tom Valentino, it's been The Nail in the Coffin, and we will talk to you again soon. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 